Hi folks, this is Ramesh Dariraj. Welcome to the Semco Style Institute Shape the Future of Work podcast. Hello everyone. I'm Harini Srinivasan, a behavioral science expert and a partner at the Semco Style Institute India. I am also a partner at Semco Style Institute, best-selling author, coach and mentor for CEOs and sales leaders. We want to have conversations with smart people who can help us understand the best way to manage companies in the new era that is unfolding right before our eyes. A little about the history of the Semco Style Institute. This institute was founded by Ricardo Semler and is headquartered in the Netherlands. We help companies improve business performance by unlocking human potential. Our practices are derived from the lessons learned at Semco, a company Ricardo inherited from his father. He has chronicled his experiments in his best-selling books, The Maverick and the Seven-Day Weekend. Welcome to this episode where we have Srinivas Upadori as our guest. Uh, Srini, as he is commonly known, comes with extensive experience uh, of working with the top managements of uh, several Fortune 500 companies. Srini was uh, the global head of marketing at Infosys uh, when I was also an employee at Infosys. And that's how I know him. And he has advised global corporations and governments and NGOs and uh, public sector companies, uh, the works. Uh, And Srini is the author of the best-selling book, uh, Switch, uh, Sales Transformation for Strategic Advantage, which was published by Westland. And we're giving a link uh, to that uh, uh, where you could buy the book in the show notes. Uh, In his career, uh, Srini has uh, had to manage multiple stakeholders and align them to a common vision. Uh, We'll be talking about uh, stakeholder alignment, uh, which is also one of the principles uh, of the Semco style framework. Welcome to the podcast, Srini. Thanks, Ramesh. Thanks, Arni. Looking forward to this uh, talk. Uh, Wonderful to connect with you on a platform like this. Uh, Hopefully, whatever I share experiences are useful to the listeners. So looking forward to it. Thank you. So it's wonderful having you with us today, Srini. Right up front, I would like to start with uh, drawing some insights from you on the subject of stakeholder alignment. I'm sure you would have seen a lot of stakeholder alignment happening in some organizations and sometimes even a lack of it. What have been your experiences around this? Can you share that? So many years ago in in mid nineties, we were uh, doing a consulting assignment uh, or or we were pitching for a consulting assignment to a large uh, manufacturing company. And we were not the chosen, uh, people were not even called for the initial bid. But uh, later on, uh, uh, we managed to request to put in a proposal. We put in a proposal, realized that probably we were not going to be the... What we did, uh, we uh, sought appointment, found a champion in that company, mapped every stakeholder in the company. This is post-proposal. Went around making them read every bit of the proposal uh, and finally aligned the entire perspectives from our side to meet different people's uh, requirements and we won the case for our job so from not being considered to being completely coming so this was a case where we understood that unless we carry people throughout we are not going to really work 
So for example, we were in one of the companies preparing the solution, thinking that the CEO and you know some of the uh, IT people are good enough to probably push this solution through. Never went and met the other people and addressed their requirement. That when it finally came to roll out, they were stand, stand, strong stands by other people not to let the solution go through. So this is again experiences of stakeholders not being mapped and understood and not carrying them through because it is not that a stakeholder is bad. I don't think we are, his agenda expectations are different. So typically we look down on people who probably come in the way of a solution, but it's actually more of a case of mapping them, understanding them, what their concerns are, what their issues are, so carrying them through. If you're trying to duck and get somebody else push the whole solution. So I think these are two real experiences uh, I can talk from very early days. And we had a structured way. Every time we do a job, we, have, we do this thing, we map every stakeholder and then write their expectations. The whole idea is win-win. I win, they win. And I think that's the whole purpose of which uh, we started off that. And I think that's uh, some of the uh, structured way uh, we have started and I think it continues to be there. So continuing on that uh, stakeholder uh, alignment and identifying stakeholder needs, one of the things that I have seen and it's, it's a frustration that is, a, that is expressed by quite a few people, uh, is that we fail to ask the question to the stakeholder saying, what is it that you're looking for? Why does that happen? Why do we get into this safe zone of telling customers what we have and what we are capable of and how great we are? And, you know, instead of trying to find out what a stakeholder really wants, which is perhaps the start of stakeholder alignment, I mean, let me first narrate a uh, situation. I think what you're saying is how you throw things at the uh, stakeholder. Yeah. So uh, one of those days uh, in Electronic City, one uh, young guy took a ride from me. Uh, and as soon as he got into the car, he was he started doing a conference call with his other colleagues, talking about uh, the customer visit that, that day where, you know, he was saying, you know, I showed them my RFID solutions. They didn't want it. Or showing them what we are working on uh, RFI, on the cloud side. The client said that's not what he's looking for. So we showed them everything we are doing in R&D, everything. But the client said that's not what I'm looking for. So tomorrow he's coming back again. I'm going to ask him what is he looking for. So that is a real, real situation. <laughs> I had to help, uh, but I had to just stop laughing because this guy was uh, seriously talking. There are three parts. I think many organizations are inside out. We think our purpose of life is what the purpose of the world is. I think so. They, we don't have empathy from outside. So we win. It's enough. It's not a win-win. So I think that approach is somehow I push products. We are all come from selling menu cards. I think most of the organizations, I think the pedigree of people in coming in, the approach to market is a menu card selling. I have this. Do you want it or do you want? Do not want it. It's like a whole culture. Uh, another. A parallel I can tell you is depends on what hat you are wearing. So if I'm a if I'm a if I'm having a fever and if I go to a, a, a pharmacist, he will tell me take crocin. If I go to salesman, uh, he'll tell crocin or similar tablet. If I go to salesman, the salesman a crocin. Whether I am having a fever or I have having a, uh, a broken leg, he'll give me crocin only because that's what all he has got to sell. So I think it is the hat you wear. And we are very inside out view of the life. I think we don't sit back and say consultative way of looking at things. Second, I think 
the other problem is we don't understand the market at all. So a lot of times when I now work with startups and many other things, the product idea is good. Many times the product is ready, market is not ready. How do you build that mind share? So like if you say we did with my Infosys days, the global delivery model uh, was, we were ready. We were ready, but the market was not ready. So a lot of the, concept, the marketing had to be done to build the mind share, build the headroom. So people don't have that approach that I have to nurture the market. And I think the third is seriously, they don't understand who are all the decision makers behind the uh, buy or behind, even not just at the time of buy, but even when you're delivering, who are the different people you have to carry through so that the solution is effectively put to use. So they're order takers, menu card sellers. Therefore, I think this, whole, this doesn't strike to them that there is a need to carry the whole organization of the buying buying uh, organization also help carry the whole organization to ensure the solution is effectively used so i i think this is the root cause and culturally most of the organizations just want to push whatever they think is right and i think when you're talking about internal change like what we're doing with senko style um, these customers who are now internal customers sometimes also we could tend to push what we have rather than figure out what they need. And I think that, that, that's where your inside out approach and what hat you wear, I think that we need to be very conscious of. Internal meetings also, forget about a customer. People come with their own agenda. So they don't realize this is what I my agenda is and I think they'll switch off. You see, there's, I mean, there's a running joke uh, of the conference calls in IT industry, the 30 people, 40 people, uh, you can hear flushes behind, you can hear, because I think the guy is not really paying attention to beyond what he has to deliver. And I think they just switch off from uh, uh, from those things. So I think it's a, if we just live our purpose, we don't understand what else is there. I think we don't even consider that stakeholders need to be managed. Okay. So Srini, I heard you talk a lot about people uh, in all your experiences so far. And uh, stakeholder alignment is definitely about people. Uh, but but in an organizational ecosystem, stakeholder alignment also involves strategy, uh, practices, processes, tactics. Uh, all said and done, it is it's all about the way we work or way the organization works, and that's precisely what we talk about uh, even in the Semco style practices. Uh, it's all about changing the way we work. What are your thoughts around uh, how should leaders navigate all these tracks together if they have to really achieve? stakeholder alignment. I was referring to a large job I was doing where uh, we had 36 parallel streams running. So any change coming into an organization, uh, there is a very structured way of bringing the change. One yes. is a technical change, yes. but it's also ownership of the change. Absolutely. So uh, many times I think things fail because the ownership of change is not there in place. So this was a case where I think we were rolling out an ERP we were rolling out, we were making re-engineering, and then we realized that as we do, we have to probably do change the shop floor design, we have to change the uh, number of SKUs had to be reduced from a million to 30,000, the vendors had to be reduced from 5,000 to 500. It was all encompassing. So it had almost had about 260, 270 people working parallelly hmm. uh, to ensure that everything is synchronized. Uh, towards it. It's as complex as it can be in, in 18 months of hmm. change uh, hmm. happening. So one, one possibility is at the end of 18 months, there could be surprises. Oh, this is not what I want. 
uh, eight mm-hmm. eighteen months. Then also after eighteen months, maybe then the start company starts taking another six months to get benefits out of that. So these yes. are the big concerns about it. And many people also had threatened because now the the change readiness. Are you threatened? Do you have the skills? Do you think uh, the, uh, you know will I be sidelined? These are the concerns in the minds of the people as you go along. So when we do something like this, you do a structured parallel assignments like we're taking what is the is the vision everything aligned to the right vision so is the vision communicated at every stage decision is going back to the right vision the second thing is we look at who are the change leaders who have the credibility in the organization and can stand up to the rest of the colleagues and think this change is right because most of the time when people as consultants you bring change from outside they say no but that does not the way we work but if the internal leaders champion and take the change back to so they became the integral part of the team so we brought in change leaders right up front we did a culture and readiness assessment mm-hmm. and then readiness we came with what are the concerns there were certain things were technically being taken care by the project like like a training uh, reskilling people was part of the project but you know the motivation the you know the reward uh, the reward recognition processes the alignment to the new roles those were the roles that has the senior management has to assure and continuously communicate so mm. that was being parallelly done mm. and most important was that every stage we involved all the key stakeholders and carried them through what i call as options helping them to make the right decision so that they own the change mm. so bit by bit the change was owned so this is a very classical case we we did over an 18 month bit by bit the change was owned everybody was participated there was a buzz in the organization throughout the 18 months so when it went live there was no surprises people already have shifted to the changed environment but i think this is the best case not possible to do it in every way you need a huge commitment from the senior management you need an environment where i think there is a transparency Mm-hmm. you you need an environment where things open to uh, all ideas and all those things and you need that patience to orchestrate this day in day out it actually can get tiring if you're running two workshops per day per week for 14 months or 15 months it's pretty tough to uh, keep the momentum going and keep everybody's energies going through that but they all feel that the only thing that does make a change is the ownership of it so that's one huge case but this is an orchestrated change but there are daily changes that happen so this is like a large project easy to structure do but how do you do a daily change so i always suggest to people is when you are coming with something don't come with one alternative hmm. come come with several alternatives yes. we make the people choose the alternative people make a mistake by pushing one solution Yes, I think that when they propose several solutions to help people to choose from that, everybody feels that they have been part of the design. The pros and cons are debated, and then there is a there is an informed call people make. Hmm. So even though small workshops in this large project were always done such a way, looking back at the big picture, we want to say. So the big picture in that case was: Do I deliver on time from eighty-five percent to ninety-five percent? So if any issue came, we saying is this not going to address the big objective? let's drop it so everybody started understanding that everything is going back to the big objective so many times this is lost the big objective is never heard and the senior management's role is to keep pulling back people saying what is the big objective so everybody is a stakeholder in the solution even one person doesn't participate into it well then it's likely that the impact is not going to be there absolutely so and this I'm is not- a very classical case 
yeah and and this this resonates very well with with our philosophy in sarkosel of starting with brave leadership uh, build mm. a culture of uh, transparency uh, and keep uh, showing the vision and the ultimate goals and uh, you know uh, enable and equip change makers in the process uh, who will drive the change and also make it sustainable uh, shri in your book you talk about the sale you know of an engineering design software to a manufacturing company uh, and despite you know the buyer wanting it the buyer needing it the seller having the right product uh, the sale never happens uh, because of other senior management priorities now drilling it down to uh, understanding first is the challenge of understanding what the stakeholder wants and the second is the understanding of how do i prioritize them now you know of cases where you know late at night we are fighting whether one slide is more important than the other when we are going for a you know very critical presentation so how do you prioritize stakeholder priorities so i think first of all you have to understand there are multiple stakeholders in any buy so that particular instance you are talking about uh, this was a engineering software to help people to design components better so obviously the r and d department of that uh, organization who probably will put it to use what i call as a user department probably was excited that this kind of software can simulate them and uh, they did lot of benchmarks and benchmark after benchmark they were uh, getting uh, better solutions going there and so they the r and d was very excited that should they need to develop components they will be good at it then of course they have to integrate it with the existing it environment so therefore the it is also a stakeholder which will come and say how do i integrate it does it fit it into my my protocol does it you know work with the rest of my uh, uh, information technology uh, platforms so therefore there was an integrated but i think the should the company make a component at all or not who makes the call so i think whenever i am as a sales person i'll say one is a person who makes the components is the is the hands and leg will use my solution there is a guy who probably has to make it happen which is the it guy to work with it but you have to really look at does this company need components so as the senior management said that my strategy is to optimize the number of components and not make more even if i my the best of the user likes it it's not going to work okay it is like the cold calls i keep getting from the different banks saying do i want a loan and yeah. many of them i mean i don't even want sellers they say at least listen to my pitch please but i don't need a loan so they don't even know whether i need one so i think that when you go into an organization it's like you know like walking in like we play golf right when i walk in we you get a full picture there are trees to the left there are there is a water hurdle there there is a sand hurdle somewhere else so i need to keep what do i want to achieve do i and i have to thread my way through if you are spending a lot of time in any any organization you have to know who are all the decision makers what are the when do you make a components who makes these decisions and i think that goes goes without saying i think in this case the the user was very excited because it probably will help in the work but the user didn't have a pipeline of components to be made so even if i keep making the pitch again and again it doesn't work so it's again trying to first understand as you walk in just to get the environment right in who are all the people what's the decision making behind the product or solution you are providing to put it to use so when i go for consulting or coaching for example there are multiple stakeholders somebody believes that coaching is better than uh, training so that guy is a champion he probably says he is going to bring in coaching there there is a hr guy who says my lnd is this my uh, process for uh, training is this 
does this fit into my listing does it fit into my budget does it does it fit into my governance but finally the user uh, who comes who says why am i being selected for coaching is it a punishment is it a uh, improvement program uh, do i like this guy is it going to be an extra work for me uh, what do i get session by session uh, what do i get it but the senior management were thinking should i coach this guy will my business can wait for this guy to grow into the leader i want or should i recruit one now it is not just at the time of selling but throughout this process if you don't manage the stakeholders well it fails if i if i this guy is not grooming up well and the business can't wait anymore the senior manager will be in trouble yeah because at the same time i have to keep the confidentiality about this person very much going so i think that that so that understanding of the terrain in which you are working the understanding of the purpose of this where does it fit into the larger picture of the business matter so when you are working at a slide level are you sitting back and saying well, does this slide tell the story does it address any purpose you are really looking at or is it me telling me how good i am yeah so i think uh, we probably have to be we have to look from their eyes their shoes so even my book couple of times i've written the story from especially this story i wrote it for the shoes of the uh, uh, buyer not the shoes of the seller because the buyer how he sees the world around him yeah in fact even your first case study around uh, the three guys flying in from the us to bangalore to see three different Which is places what? yeah is uh, about uh, stakeholder management yeah stakeholder management yeah. uh sri the last time uh, we spoke uh, you did mention about your brief meeting with ricardo semler uh, um and you also said that uh, you have read the maverick so i'm uh, curious to know can you quickly walk us through that meeting that moment uh, and how uh, and, and what are your insights from the book and how does it align with your thoughts and practices so i met this gentleman um I think maybe 2004 or 2005. We had invited him for one of our uh, customer events to uh, be the keynote speaker. And I think at that time he was uh, a very, very popular. Uh, yeah, the book uh, was out uh, just a couple of years before that. Yeah, so I think he was extremely popular, and I think he yes. probably was uh, uh, the crowd puller for us uh, uh, for our customer events. You know, because the customer events usually kick off with some high energy speaker, and then. it goes into more uh, detailed uh, technical sessions so i remember one uh, in my conversation of course uh, i was the host and there were other people so my my main conversation big take away from me and i think this is a struggle i always had uh, was he said he can make anybody good he was not going to highly qualified branded employees but he said yes. i can pick up somebody and make so for me that was a big aha moment in terms Absolutely. of like you know can i as a leader get the best out of anybody does he need to be branded qualified does he need to be somebody who, who so i think that whole approach that having the right attitude right people is not about like so typically all the organizations i work we always went for branded people Mm. you always wanted people who were the toppers all by all their lives mm. uh so then as a leader I have nothing much to do because they're anyways fully trained to come and do and get the things out of them and to beyond that making these people who are probably not as branded or from the pedigree of mm. different people but getting them to get empowering them getting the best out of them 
was an amazing part of the what i really took away from that uh, particular uh, talk we had having gone through the book uh, for me i think it again uh, more about how people people are empowered people are feeling you know the right uh, they coming in with the right energy they have a, they have a stake in the way the company shape they have a say in every day is running of the company i think that was the and actually we putting it to practice because many of the people will talk this theoretically but actually putting it to practice living through that uh, is an amazing part of that thing you know people talk about transparency but i think the transparency stops at a, after a particular point of time uh, people talk about uh, uh, you know uh, getting everybody's view uh, into uh, making things happen Uh, i think again uh, that is, that again stops uh, beyond a point i recently uh, went across another company um, but didn't have a chance to work with them but you know my small conversations with the company the it software company uh, globally and uh, they have a similar practices they uh, the community decides whether this guy is doing good job the community decides who comes becomes part of the team the community when i say is a group the team Uh, the team working the coming together lot of companies struggle i think there's so much to learn from the maverick way of doing the maverick books way of doing things i think that's what really uh, i'm pretty impressed by that so the two aspects when i said i can uh, i always had this argument with other people saying do i need the iit iims or the you know the iit kellogg only to be successful uh, perhaps it's more difficult to manage these people than somebody who has who's that got that hunger the right attitude that ambition and if you bring in that kind of people i think they'll deliver far better i think and uh, talking to him was that was the something which really come out for me very strong yeah and that's that's a very interesting observation uh, and like i sometimes say uh, you don't necessarily need the bright people you just need the right people uh, and that's that's a that's a big that has been a big learning for me in my uh, journey as well and uh, Uh, thank you so much for bringing back to life that moment, uh, that historic moment of of uh, having uh, Ricardo out there on stage and uh, you know flagging off your event and deriving some insights from the book. And that was a wonderful experience, and I almost relived that moment with you. Thank you very much for that. Uh, thank you, Srini, uh, for that wonderful uh, insights. Uh, I hope uh, you know we had more time, but uh, we must edit here. uh our uh, sincere gratitude uh, for your time and for sharing your wisdom uh, we hope to have you on the podcast uh, soon thank you thanks ramesh thanks hardy uh, nice sharing my experiences with you hopefully the listeners find it useful uh, it's been many years of doing very structured mapping addressing stakeholders and i think it's it's going to be lifelong ways of doing it it's just not in your business world it is also in your personal world i think uh, this managing stakeholders carrying people through making everybody feel part of your life making everybody feel part of your solution making everybody feel part of your you know organization is is an art according to me and it's not being uh, not trying to manipulate them or it's not trying to this thing but make everybody feel that you know they are important and they are really part of the thing so i think people may see this as a part of uh, manipulating people it is not yeah um, on that words i think thanks again for this opportunity and look forward to more such conversations with you
On that note, we will wrap up this episode of Shape the Future of Work from the Semco Style Institute. In future episodes, we'll be exploring how others shape the future of work in their companies. We hope you'll subscribe to the podcast and share the link on social media. We've provided a link to Ricardo Semler's books and his TED Talk that was viewed more than 3 million times in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening in and we shall see you on the next episode.